it's radio free tote bag where i'm donovan and unfortunately due to retail hell season we are down in audrey this week uh but stoked to be joined from the crimes of the heart podcast we got rory uphold with us welcome rory hello hi 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 how are you doing how's it going and uh, are you in are you in holiday hell as well <laughs> yeah that nice uh time of the year where depression comes knocking we love a combination of early darkness, a depression boost from that, and then lots of obligations and busyness because it's the end of the year. It's just a, it's a gumbo of great things. It's crazy. I never like ugh, it's the time of year when 8 p.m. feels like 2 a.m. Miserable feeling. Mm -hmm. I get like but I don't a have snow. So where, I should no, probably I should probably shut the fuck up. Um, <laughs> I'm in Los Angeles. Ah, okay. You know, the darkness still does something, but I, I lived out there a few years ago and I'm in Chicago now. So it's a, it is a level up in the, in the stressfulness and the darkness department. You True. Although I do have the darkness of LA. So. Almost a combination. Cause it, at least with the snow, it kind of fits into the theme of the darkness and mm -hmm. okay. And I can sit next to the fire or whatever. But I imagine you don't you don't have a fireplace. There, hot I cocoa actually is do. There. I I actually do have a fireplace, and I also consume sugar, much to the horror of Angelinos everywhere. So I eat sugar and carbs, which I don't tell anybody. They might arrest me. It is a secret between us and uh, all maybe your listeners. Our <laughs> yeah. Well, Rory, do you want to briefly? You are in a similar uh, topic wheelhouse to us, and so I'm, I'm stoked to have you on here. For folks who don't know you, do you want to just do a brief introduction of, of you and your show? Yeah. Hi, I'm Rory. Um, I'm a supermodel. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> wow. The way you laughed at that is just, okay. So, so <laughs> humbling. No, I'm kidding. I just love telling people that I'm a model because it's really funny to see their reaction. Um, <laughs> I am a podcaster. I have a show called Crimes of the Heart. It's a love and dating podcast. I talk about sex i talk about like the emotional crimes you know as a pun um that go into like all of our relationships why is it that if i broke your leg i would probably get in trouble but if you broke my heart there's zero recourse that doesn't make yeah. any sense um so yeah we do i think we talk about a lot of similar topics from i don't know how terrible it is to date right now to you know navigating awkward conversations and relationships to sex and kind of how to destigmatize all the things around that and um yeah those are topics that i think about even when i'm not podcasting we love it we're we're in the same uh a boat with our show uh something we talk a lot about is just kind of shame around all of these things mm. and the awful ways that that impacts really, I mean, so many elements of our, of our lives in this culture, but particularly sex and relationships. Uh, I'm curious how you came to be on this topic for, for my co-host and I, you know, we were both queer people. We've had kind of a journey with all of that, but we also both grew up pretty religious uh, where there is kind of a lot of shame instilled in you around sexuality, generally weird oh, yeah. norms around relationships uh, do you come from a similar background or did you kind of come to this place from a, from a different direction? 
I came from 180 degrees different. Interesting. Um, I don't really like, I always tell people like I'm straight, um, but I don't really care. Like, uh, that's a whole, we could just do a whole podcast topic on that. Like, um, in my mind, like, even if I fuck women, I'm straight. Like I, I don't, it, that's, and it's not even like a shame thing. Like it's just, a. Uh, I get to like walk through the world being straight and like have never dealt with any of the repercussions that queer people have had to deal with. So it's like, I don't, I don't know. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is, is that I did not grow up with religion at all. Um, my grandfather was like a prominent minister that walked out on his family. So I grew up, uh, atheist slash agnostic, um, and that was also by choice. Like when I was five, uh, I ran away from Sunday school and, um, my parents were like, mm, I don't know that this is going to work. So yeah, I didn't have that shame. Um, I also came from a really like sex positive household and I can also tell my parents anything when I was 17, I, I moved away from home when I was 14, when I was 17, um, I had a boyfriend and when I was with him, like my parents would get us our own room. Um, Damn. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, I, I couldn't be, couldn't be more different, but <laughs> I think that's, I think that's why I have the show in that I've always been the friend that people talk to because I've never yes. been afraid to share my crazy stories or talk to them about like sex. I mean, I'll never forget my friend, we were in college and my friend um, had like a crazy, I think it was, I don't know if it was an STI or if it was like a UTI, so, something, right? Yeah. And she called me panicking and I was like, okay, we're just going to call my dad because my dad um, is an ER doctor. And she was, she freaked out. And then I called my dad and my dad was like super normal about it. Like it's totally unfazed. And she yeah. and I saw each other recently and she was like, I will never forget that. So this has just <laughs> been like me forever. Um, and I didn't realize that that wasn't super normal. Um, and then I, in my like day job, I create content, I create television shows and I've always sort of written about my love life or people's love lives. And it's a topic that fascinates me um, for a myriad of reasons. I mean, I think that the thing that defines people from like other animals is the way that we love and the way that we are relational, you know, for relationships. Yeah. And it's, they're so complicated. And it's weird that nobody teaches us how to be good in relationships, romantic or otherwise just like they don't teach us how to be good at sex um, right. or just expected to sort of like nail those things. And Oops. I also think that relationships and like what's happening in love and dating is often like a, a reflection of what's happening in culture. And so I don't know, I'm endlessly fascinated by it. And I think we share a very similar vision in that I hope to relieve people of some of the burden of shame that they carry whether it's because they're single or they're queer or they came from, you know, whatever background. A hundred percent. I really appreciate that. That's, uh, you know, something I had friends for when I was, when I was younger uh, and 
kind of navigating all of that, all of that stuff for the first time as a, as a teenager, uh, particularly if you, like I went to Catholic school for a mm. lot of grade school and, and high school. I didn't get like proper actual sex education until like sophomore year of high school. And uh, I don't even think that it was probably proper. Any semblance, that's a good point, but any, Cause... any semblance of it, <laughs> yeah. uh, it was, a, I mean, it was a real like night or day thing for me. Cause we got like some abstinence nonsense in Catholic school, but then I was at an international school, uh, when I got the, the proper sex ed as best you can call that. Yeah. Uh, and I will say they did get into, you know, even kind of some nitty gritty elements of like different sex acts and all these different kinds oh, of contraception cool. and, and prevention of STDs and all of this stuff. But even then, like to your point, there's no discussion of what does consent look like in a relationship? How do you know if you need to break up with somebody? Like mm -hmm. you said, like you were just kind of left to fend for yourself with that stuff. And uh, I, I found it, you know, super valuable to have anybody in my life that I could talk to about those things. Uh, and it, this is before, you know, I think forums and the internet were more of a thing that you could make kind of connections online and find that stuff. Uh, but even now, like we have people write in who are, you know, trans in an area with very few trans people or a very mm. judgmental, potentially dangerous place. And I yeah, think just being able to provide for, for sure, just to provide any kind of avenue to hear the voice of somebody who's like, hey, I know what you're going through. And like, you can talk to us basically, I think is a, is a really impactful thing. It's something I wish I, I would have had more of when I was, when I was younger. So oh my I appreciate that you always I been like that for me. went to an arts high school, an arts boarding school. So I grew, well, also my aunts are gay. Um, and before I ever knew what gay was, like I asked my mom if my aunt was gay and my mom was like, how do you know what that is? I was like, I don't know. <laughs> um, but then, yeah, I went to art school. And so I didn't realize how um, untraditional my background was until I graduated and went to college and realized like, oh, this is such a, I was used to seeing guys kissing guys. I was used to trans cross-dressing drag. Like that was normal shit at my high school. Um, yeah. So if anything, sometimes like, oh, I mean, like, <laughs> I'll never forget. I got to college and you're not supposed to do this. Right. I didn't know. I remember I'd been hanging out with this guy who I thought was gay. And at one point I just turned to him and I was like, wait, so like, how long have you been gay or something? Or like, how long have you been out? And he wasn't. <laughs> oh, <no>. And <laughs> I think he said, I don't remember what he said. I don't know if he answered it honestly or if he didn't, but there was like never a doubt in my mind. And it also, I just, it never occurred to me that somebody would ever lie about that. Yeah. And I remember like six months later, he was like, Hey, um, Oh, I think actually he told me the truth is what it was because then six months later he told me he had like never, he wasn't out and he had never told anybody that before. And, and then I was him. like, Oh my God, I'm so sorry. Like I didn't, it was a, it was a weird adjustment to come back to normal life and realize, yeah, some people die because right. of this, you know, like, and, and if, even if they don't, there's such a burden, whether it's with their family or just, 
the way that they were bullied in high school, you know, like that's, it's so fucked. But anyway, I had to calibrate for that and, and take into account that like not everybody got to grow up the way I got to grow up. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's wild to have grown up in like what should be the normal situation where these things, you know, it's not a thing. Some people are gay. That's fine. But then to interact with other people who are in families and in a culture mm -hmm. broadly where that is a thing, totally. that's got to be super jarring, even for you trying to like relate with people. In that I'm way. not the best because I have kind of a zero tolerance policy. Like I, I'm, I got to figure out a way to coexist with people who don't agree with me on certain topics. Right. Like I just have such a hard line with that. Um, I think it's absolutely creepy that other people care so much about my sex life. I mean, maybe not mine cause I share it publicly, but you know what I mean? Like eh, you're not involved. Right. So why are you trying to make yourself involved? Like that's a very weird kink. <laughs> I'm kidding. It's not a kink. <laughs> it's, it's, it's shameful and it's awful. And you know, I just, am like, Ugh, this could derail our entire podcast, but yeah, I, I, uh, I think it's, I'm over it. I'm so over it. Like it's been so normal for me for most of my life that I have a really hard time understanding how other people are still bigoted. I just don't get it. It's, it's baffling. It's a bad time baffling. for everybody with no upside. And it's frustrating that we have to continue, you know, dealing with any of that stuff. But mm -hmm. Hey, speaking frankly about these things and, and creating a space that other people can do that and can, you know, hear uh, a perspective from somebody who's outside of that very judgmental sphere that a lot of this country and the world is still in. I think that's how you spread these things to yeah, some degree. Totally. Yes. Oh my gosh, for sure. And I have a lot of friends that are gay that came from really religious backgrounds and some of them have abandoned said backgrounds and others have not. And they've found a way to keep God or whomever in their lives while still being out and proud about who they are. And I respect both routes. And um, yeah, I guess if anybody's listening and they're like alone in their community, just know that there are a lot of places on the planet where you will absolutely not be othered. Absolutely. Including this program. Yeah. Uh, well, let me hit you with uh, our, our traditional guest questions here, Rory. I guess first, uh, what, what's your relationship status? What's your relationship to relationships? My relationship status is currently single. I dabble. Um, I deleted apps <laughs> uh, earlier this year. And I, I'll go on dates, um, but I'm not actively like looking for someone. I just took a little time to kind of reflect and get, I was just more focused on work and my personal life and my friends. I, I kind of tapped out a little bit on the dating. Um, I'm sure I'll revisit it. Uh, apps I'm done with. I just, uh, <laughs> they're designed to do exactly what they're doing, which is not to find us love. Um, they're designed to keep us on the app and change human behavior and, they have effectively done that. So ugh, I don't want to give them any of my energy. Um, but, you know, I have like friends that I hang out with naked 
Um, (laughs) And then my relationship to relationships is that um, I'm constantly trying to evolve and be better. And I love helping people improve or see their relationships from a different perspective. And um, I'm very grateful for the people in my life that help me do the same. Have you, have you tended to be, are you somebody who tends to get into long relationships and you're in an in-between? Have you tended to date around for a while? Uh, um, yeah. So normally when I get into a relationship, if it makes it past the three month mark, I'm in it for like two to three years. Um, if I'm single, the phase that I'm in now is probably like the weirdest because I'm single and I'm not like a maniac. Normally when I'm single, I'm a maniac. Like I am just out there taking the ticket, riding the ride. You know what I'm saying? Feral Getting, mode. Yeah. Feral. I am in that zone. As the listeners know, I have been in that zone. Uh, I went through a breakup earlier this year. so I, I have, It is a good time. It's also a little overwhelming sometimes. For sure. Yeah. Keep a diary so you can like look back and... Keep track of these stories. I know I have like the wildest, nuttiest um, dating stories because, yeah, I am when I'm single, I'm normally feral. Well, I mean, it segues as well into our our second new guest question. Uh, Do you have an embarrassing dating or relationship story you could share? I mean, I think the question is, do I have one that isn't? (laughs) (laughs) I think they're all mortifying. Um, (laughs) yeah, no, I, I, I can hit you with one. Although I, I think like when I say they're embarrassing, I both am like, it's embarrassing, but it's not like, actually, I'm not ashamed or embarrassed of anything I've done. Even if I go back and I'm like, I felt shame or embarrassment in that moment. I just like to clarify that because again, I think, um, it, it just doesn't serve me. That's a good point. And I you feel know. like even in our, our phrasing of that, I think of embarrassing more as a, oh, God, no, but it shouldn't be a, oh, I'm terrible. Oh, something is wrong with these things. It's just those yeah. moments of dating where you're like, oh, God damn it. Why, why did I ask that question? Oh. Why did I talk about this particular hobby? For sure. Oh, my God. Well, OK, I can hit you with my 12 minute date. And then I could tell you something that's actually embarrassing. And I was going to say the shortest date I ever went on was with a guy. It was 12 <laughs> minutes long. Um, it was at a bar called the Roger room in Los Angeles or in LA Hollywood. And um, I met this guy at a Super Bowl party. So I didn't even meet him on an app. I met him through friends. He was cute. I thought this was going to be great. And like so quick into the conversation, politics came up. Oh Oof. no! This is going to circle back to what we were talking about, how I have a real hard line. Um, and he let me know that his parents were like extremely religious, but in addition to that, like, so they were extremely religious and anti-gay, but they were also flat earthers. What a combo. I know. And I just said, "Mm, I'm gonna stop you right there. I just, I don't think this is going to work. And he was like aghast. And I just said, look, I, I, family is huge for me. Um, I want to be able to respect your parents and that I just won't be able to. This man lost his shit. He was like, my parents have adopted six kids. They're the best. They're like the most selfless, like 
kindest people on the planet. And I was like, okay, but they don't want my friends to have the same civil rights as those six children they adopted. So I agree to disagree on that. And he just lost his mind. And then he was like, I think it's time for you to leave. I was like, okay. (laughs) And, and that was the end of the day. But, um, you know, I don't regret that because it just saved me what could have been a lot of time. A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. This is embarrassing. So I was dating this guy and he was in LA and I mean, he was in New York and I was in LA and we dated for like eight months. And I don't remember where this is in relation to our dating journey. And when you hear the end of it, you're going to be like, what? I'm sorry. How did you experience this? And then continue with the journey. You dumb bitch. (laughs) And I am going to fervently agree with you. So I get to New York. um, And at the time I was working a lot between LA and New York. So I was in New York or he was in LA and we would see each other like every two weeks. So you might be like, how did you date somebody long distance for eight months? And it's like, cause I saw him all the time and I show up in New York and I'm, I'm there with a friend and again, sorry, I, I, I don't remember the details, just the embarrassing stuff sticks. And my boyfriend's coming to like meet us. So we're in downtown and um, we're at this bar. He comes, he meets up with us. We hang out. Everything's great. Like everything's normal. My friend immediately is like, I don't like him. Okay. Maybe it was towards the early side of our relationship, whatever. Um, we go to leave and my friend's like, I think I'm going to go back to the place that we were staying at with this guy. Yeah. That would make sense because why would I not be staying with my boyfriend? Okay. So it must've been early on. And I was kind of like, yeah, obviously I'm going to stay at, we'll call him Jake or I'm going to stay at Jake's. And then we, yeah, J name, terrible, toxic, um, (laughs) define my twenties. Um, so I, say something like about going home with him. And he was like, Oh, um, you actually can't come home with me. Yeah. I had the same exact reaction. The audience couldn't see her face, but you, you looked I did at almost raised... an office gym face, which yeah. I'm ashamed that that was my reaction. <laughs> you raised an eyebrow like, hmm? <laughs> as did I listeners. I was like, what? I'm, I live in Los Angeles and I'm in New York and I'm going to see you. And obviously I'm going to spend the night with you. You freaking weirdo. No. Yeah. And that was sort of, I was like, ha ha LOL. He's like, no, I'm serious. I don't have sheets on my bed. And I was yeah. like, okay, well put them on your bed. And he was like, <laughs> we no, have no, no. a solution to this problem. I know. He was like, no, no, no. <laughs> like I don't have sheets on my bed. I'm like, what? I, um, okay. Break it down for me. Like I'm a five-year-old that doesn't speak English very well. Clearly and slowly, because I am not understanding the problem here. And he basically was like, well, um, I, I, I just, I, I, I can't because I, I took him to the fluff and fold or the wash and whatever. And, and all of my sheets are there and I'm just embarrassed that I don't have any sheets. I'm like, so there's not nothing in your house. I was like, why don't we just sleep on a blanket? He's like, no, I, I, I couldn't. So this is the fight that we're now having that has moved to the street. I'm like Bowery and like Stanton, I think. And I'm quickly doing mental math and i'm pissed i'm like what like you didn't you didn't think about this you didn't prepare for this like this is insane what are you talking about also this is the worst lie in the history of lies (laughs) 
And he's like, no, I'm not lying. Like I have nothing. And I was like, so then what are you going to sleep on? Right. And he was like, I- I'm just going to like have one blanket. And like, I, I don't, I- I'll just sleep on the pillow with nothing on it. I'm like, okay, but none of this makes sense. And we could go to target. That's <laughs> what I'm saying. I'm, so many options. That's what I'm saying. I'm like throwing out <laughs> solutions and he is systematically shooting them down it's oh, like God. a volleyball match right like every time i send the ball over he's like spiking it down and i start to lose it the volume starts to rise and we're now on the streets of new york and i remember just being like you're treating me like i'm a fucking four and i'm a ten i'm a ten <laughs> and like new yorkers are walking by and this one lady's like yeah, girl, you're a 10. And I was like, see, she fucking gets it. What is wrong with you? And he's like standing there, just like his mouth agape. I was so pissed. I couldn't figure it out. I was like so upset. And we're, I'd never been in a screaming match before, like a public screaming match. Like that, who does that? That's so messy. Turns yeah. out women at their breaking point do that. I understandably in this case also that yeah. is a ludicrous situation. Ludicrous situation. You can't like go home either. That, uh, ah. No. Just from a practicality standpoint, I hate this. We're adults. Like the problem solving, like the frontal cortex had been fully developed. Like we should be able to figure this out. Like there has got to be a CVS or something that's it's also New York City. This isn't like middle of Wisconsin, you know, nowheresville or like middle of <laughs> Uh, a farm in in kentucky like like what are we talking about yeah we have to get a cargo plane to drop some sheets it's It's just it's not gonna happen crazy so we're like in a screaming match and then all of a sudden i turn around and i like march myself into the street and as if i coordinated this this cab rolls up the door opens i get in And I don't even like, I don't even look at him and the door closes and we like, it closes and he, the car drives off. And I was like, sick. Yes. That was a very cool ending. That was a very cool ending. I nailed that. (laughs) Um, and then I went back to the place that I was staying with my friend and it was awful. And I was totally mortified and it's so pathetic that I continued to date that guy. But I was in a very pathetic era of my life. But you kept on from, did he ever elaborate? Did he ever like give any more explanation or was he insistent? Like, no, I just didn't have sheets. Yeah. That was really it. No, I know. And, and, and having dated him for a long time now, I mean, not sorry. That made it sound like we were still dating. We are not. That dude ended up (laughs) cheating on me. So like it ended exactly as you thought it was going to end, but I don't know that he was cheating on me then. Like the timing wouldn't have lined up. Like he was actually being honest and serious about that. Like this ding dong really took all of his sheets to the fluff and fold, missed the window to pick it up and then just didn't like, didn't want to deal with it and was like embarrassed for me to come see his place in disarray. So that was like the crux of it was like shame about me seeing his place. And I was so, I think that's probably why I ended up forgiving him. But don't worry, listeners, you know, uh, six or seven months later, I'd find out that he was cheating on me. So, yeah, 
terrible. And I don't, I almost don't know what I would be more upset about because uh, at least if it was a lie and he was cheating, at least that's like a logical, I mean, I'd be very upset, but like, okay, there's a clear reason. The, mm -hmm. I don't have sheets and I am somehow incapable of going to Target or like just sleeping on the couch. There's a million other options there. That is such like just a bizarre indictment of someone's character. Crazy. You just have no problem solving abilities uh, at all. Uh, <laughs> really wild. I know. It's crazy that the same man that couldn't figure out the sheets fiasco managed to juggle me with another woman. <laughs> like, it's weird. Like, you really had the problem solving skills when it came to two timing, but just not with the sheets. Oh, my God. I know. Pretty, pretty, pretty wild. Powerful energy. Well, shouts out to Jake. Uh, we wish you well. We hope you never have sheets again, you rat <laughs> <Yeah>. bastard. <laughs> oh my god! Excellent story, though. Thank you. Thank you for sharing. Oh yeah. I, I think mean... that is among the most absurd partner behavior we've had on here. We get a lot of like people, like I don't know, somebody shit themselves on their first date with their now wife. We well, that's crazy. Wow. Well, some kind of that bonds you pretty like fast. <laughs> I think if you survive that, you're like, well, you we could probably through get through anything. anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's amazing. Uh, well, hey, out of an experience like that, you, you gain wisdom of how to help somebody else out if they were in a similar situation and you're a better person for it. I what guess. do you say we, we put our combined experience together here and try to answer some listener questions? Yes, welcome to Dumb Bitch Academy. <laughs> <laughs> I'm no. the dumb bitch. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I have learned a lot, and I think I just didn't have my, uh, my self-love was out of alignment. I wanted to be in a relationship more than I wanted to honor what it was that I really wanted. So I know how that goes, unfortunately. Yeah. We all do. We're, uh, we're killing it now. Yes. And we're about to kill it on these questions. But first, a quick word from our sponsor. This week's episode is brought to you by the Radio Free Tote Bag Patreon. Hey, it's me, uh, No Sheets Donovan. Oh, I'm feeling kind of itchy, feeling kind of grimy. I don't know how to clean this mattress, and I don't see any alternative uh, to end up with a clean bedding situation. It's it's miserable. But you know what I do know? It's that I can get a bonus episode of the RFTB show each week at patreon.com slash RFTB. It's like having a second pair of sheets that you could alternate with your main ones while they're in the wash. Imagine such a thing. $5 a month, you get a bonus episode each week and access to a whole bunch of episodes in the backlog. Something like over 150. I can't remember on account. I don't sleep so good because I'm sleeping on a bare mattress. Uh, wait, I guess in this, I was going to tell you to be like me, but you don't want to be like me. So actually, I don't subscribe to the Patreon because uh, I, I don't know how to have backup things. I don't know how to have a backup episode. And so if you don't want to be like me, yeah, then you subscribe, patreon.com slash RFTB. You get Discord access, you get the bonus episode. It's a hoot and a holler, patreon.com slash RFTB. Be put together and head over there now. Asking all them questions, asking all them questions. Why are you asking all them questions? Making statements, a hoot 
Asking all them questions. Asking all them questions. Why are you asking all them questions? Making statements. Uh, whoa! Whoa! just not the same without audrey's yells hopefully that was enough yelling for you listener it's the question what? box <laughs> what <laughs> whoa holy shit oh sorry i'm just substituting for her thank you i appreciate it yeah. that was by the way the what's were supposed to be a callback to little little john i got yeah what, what? Okay. We somehow haven't done that in the yells yet. I appreciate you for innovating in the yelling after the question box theme space. <laughs> You're welcome. Steal it. <laughs> run with it. <laughs> uh, it's the segment of the show where you, the listener, can send your questions into us and we will do our best to answer them. How do you do that? It's simple. Head on over to our social media at RFTBpod on Instagram and Twitter at RFTB and the other stuff on Blue Sky or our website, RFTB.me. You don't have to make an account. You click that question box link. You pour the contents of your heart into that text box and we read it. And this week, we're starting with this one. Hello, RFTB and Rory. Hello. Well, hello. Long time, first time. I, 27F, have a friend, 28F, who is now long distance, three hours, and much like me, struggles with mental health issues. We're both depressed, but I also have really bad social anxiety from a lifetime of child trauma with my parents. I will text her to check in, and she is feeling bad. I feel like I do not have a way to respond in a way that will not make her sadder and madder at me. How can I navigate this sad state of affairs? How do I get over my anxiety or talk to her like we're both normal? And they'd sign off anxious and and Ankeny and Kenny A N K E N Y. Is that a town? Do you know what this place is? A N E Y. Maybe it was supposed to be Albany, but it was a typo. Wait. (laughs) It's a bizarre world, Albany, known as Ankeny. And now we're on my favorite segment of the show where I Google something and apparently it's oh, a it's city in Iowa. In Iowa. <laughs> Hell yeah. Honestly, it looks very pretty. It, I'm seeing a little like slideshow here on Yeah, Google. me too, me too. Big State Creek Park. Yep, oh my um, God. That's, I'm on that same thing. Yeah. Oh, good Lord. Like Shouts a out. Okay. A mere hour and 20 minute flight. I know where I'm vacationing next. It's nice. <laughs> oh man. So she has a, she's 27, female. 28-year-old friend. They're both hella yeah. depressed. And it's affecting their friendship. It sounds like it. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to parse this part. Because so, you've, listener, you've got the really bad social anxiety. You're dealing with depression. You had, you know, this trauma in your childhood with your, with your parents. And so when she is feeling bad, when you're checking in, it sounds like you struggle to, like, kind of boost her because you're also feeling depressed. I mean, That's I've how been I'm... there. I feel like sometimes when you, I am thinking of this one friend that I have where when I have gone through some pretty dark phases, she has also been in dark phases. And then yeah. sometimes like you just need to be the one to trade off. Like sometimes it needs to be like, Hey, this is needs to be a phone call about me. And maybe then tomorrow we can have it be a phone call about you. I think yeah. like to me, it's identifying what is it that you want out of these phone calls? And what is it that you want out of this friendship? You know what I mean? Like sometimes like, because 
people aren't built for every facet of your life. Like this idea right. that your husband or your wife or your sister, or whomever is supposed to give you all the things. It's just not, that's not accurate. And it's also a heavy burden to put on other people. Um, hundred percent. And it's and like, just, yeah, you can't be everything for anybody either. And just day to day, like I've experienced this in a relationship where my partner's going through something and then I'm struggling also. And like, not only do you struggle to show up because you're struggling, but then if you got a certain kind of brain, then you feel bad that you can't be helping and it makes you feel worse. Mm -hmm. I, I like what you said about trying to clarify like the purpose of the conversation and what does the other person need in this particular moment uh, so that you're coming in kind of like, okay, I'm going to be here to talk about your thing. And then afterwards we talk about my thing or we talk about it at a different time. So it's not just kind of both of your things butting heads. Um, but at the same time, like there are occasions where you just aren't in a headspace to provide that support and that's okay but you kind of need to communicate that to the other person so that they don't think like, oh, they're, they're not being a good friend to me. Oh, it's because they don't care about me when it's like, no, right. I'm, I'm just going through my own stuff. And that's a, it's a tough thing to navigate, but, right. it, but it's not an uncommon thing either. No, it's not. I think, you know, I also have this other friend that is such a bummer. Like I love her, but I've never talked to her and her life not be a mess and her not be yeah. like really, really just so depressed. Like nothing ever goes right in her life. Do you know what I mean? Like that's, it's hard I, at yes. a certain point we all kind of tap out. We're like, dude, you got to get it together. Like you got to find some silver lining, um, which I think is really a good reflection for me. It lets me know, Oh, I actually am the type of person that needs to be really mindful of how much darkness I take in because I think that I already have a capacity for that. But yes. with this woman, I would ask yourself, why do I call my friend? Why, what am I getting from this relationship? And what do I want from this relationship? Like in the immediate sense, but in the future, you know, is this somebody that I just feel obligated to call because we've been friends since we were in middle school? Or is this somebody right. that I actually love and care for and want to help? I just am unable to, or does this person offer you support? Are you super lonely and don't feel like you have other friends in your life? Like I think in any issue is if you can identify kind of where you're at, what you want and where you're going with things, it gets a lot easier to figure out what the next steps are. Yeah. Because if we can ask her kind of what that relationship dynamic is for her personally, it'd be a lot easier to say, okay, it sounds like what you actually need are boundaries. Or it sounds like yes. what you actually need is a conversation to let this friend know that you are struggling and you love them so much, but you don't feel like you have the capacity to help them. And have it be a conversation, not a breakup, or maybe it is something where you guys are both trying to help each other, but you feel like you're failing. And then having like a structured plan, kind of like we do in therapy, but taking turns might be the move. I think that's the big point though, there is that what is the thing that you want in, in more of the details uh, around this? But I hope for this person, it at least puts them in a place that they can consider those things because 
particularly if you're describing family trauma, maybe you just assume this obligation. Well, this person's going through it. I have to be there for right. them mm-hmm. no matter what happens. Uh, and that's not necessarily the case, but I would certainly be thinking about that listener if that's something you've struggled with, with setting boundaries and making yeah. sure your own needs are being taken care of. I'm, I'm particularly thrown by, I feel like I do not have a way to respond in a way that will not make her sadder and madder at me particularly the matter at you part. Mm. If this is a situation where your friend's going through stuff and you try to help out, you give advice or something and they just get upset at you because you're not doing enough. You're not giving the right advice, whatever it is. That's like an abusive dynamic. That's not a good friend. That's somebody who every time you talk to them is taking this stuff out on you. You don't deserve to be treated like that. And that's not doing them any good. That's just a very negative coping mechanism that they're falling into for sure yeah maybe you do navigate this through some of the ways that we talked about but as rory said like definitely take a step back on this is this a healthy situation you know or do you just feel this obligation that you you have to support this person regardless of how they're treating you because that's not fair to you yeah and i mean i hesitate to say this because I feel like we get this a lot in a very unhealthy way, but you have to put your own mask on first. Yes. Which is not to say be a super selfish, self-absorbed, like narcissist or whatever. Um, all of those things get thrown around so much, but, uh, I do think there's a difference between self-love and self-care and taking care of yourself because you will not be able to help the people around you at your best if you're not first taking care of yourself. Absolutely. So there's also that. Yeah, I don't love the make her sadder or madder. I wish I had context on that because I feel like that would really help understand this dynamic and these situations more. But I will just say this. It's a It's a hard time in the world. It's a hard time in the United States. It's a hard time for most people. Uh, A lot of the people that I talk to, it doesn't matter how successful they are, how much money they have, what their relationship status is. I've yet to meet anyone who's really feeling like uplifted or positive right now. Yep. Um, So there's that. And also nothing lasts forever. Good, a good point. You know, like, so this darkness, this struggle is, um, it's temporary. It, feelings are fleeting. And I would also say, regardless of what is happening in your life, I would try to start figuring out a way to let it propel you as opposed to drown you. Absolutely. And particularly, like, if this, if currently, I'd encourage your listener, too, to write in with some of, like, the clarifications and the context of this, because uh, I think we could we could give better advice in that situation. But I'm also wondering, just the way that you're describing this stuff, is this your only person that you're getting this kind of support from? I would encourage you to, we have to caveat it, at least if you're in the States, that maybe you don't have access to medical care or a therapist, but mm. get that going if you can. I I have been through some big stretches of depression. 
talked about that on the program, particularly if you've been going through it since childhood, it can feel like there's no escape from that. And that's just the state of affairs that you have to work with. For sure. But there are ways you can tackle that given the right guidance and support. And you deserve to be able to work through that. So I'd, I'd encourage you, whatever options you have available, outside of this situation, getting that support to work through your own stuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. yep. It's rough out there. We're sending you good energy and appreciate listening to the show and use that as a feather in your cap. You listen to Radio Free Topeg, one of the greatest shows in the history of humankind. And you should feel proud of that, listener. <laughs> Human, all of humankind. Yes, 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 yes. Every Neanderthal podcast ever produced, we trounce all of them. I'm talking all of history. No trilobite ever made a show this good. Pat yourself on the back for that. Uh, but, but genuinely, follow up if you want to give more details on this. And we wish you the best working through this because it's, it's a tough situation. But we yeah. believe in you. Yes. You got this. I agree. Giddy up. <laughs> All right, let's get another question going here. Hello, beautiful people. Wow. How they know they know? we're supermodels. How did they know? <laughs> We've Hair got flip. a psychic listener. <laughs> Love it. A few months ago, I, NB28, started a very serious relationship and moved in with my now partner, M30. He completely saved me from the SI turmoil that was in SI turmoil. Is that ringing it? Any mm. idea what that would stand for? SI turmoil. Let's see if we get context reading, reading through this. Yeah. Why don't you keep reading and I'll Google that. Excellent. Um, Gave me the sugar daddy treatment, shopping trips, fancy vacations. And now I can say depression heavily subsides when you have all your needs met and don't have to work. He practically saved my life and changed his life around to be with me because we are, on paper, ridiculously compatible. However, he is higher on the autism spectrum than anyone I've dated and often says or does things that hurt my feelings or cross my boundaries. He's very receptive to changing his behavior when he realizes how it affects me, but it's been difficult for me to see a future with someone who I can't hang out around without having to constantly assert my worth and feelings and explain why something he did or said was not okay. He was also extremely poly before we met and has decided to be monogamous with me, but it worries me that I soon won't be enough. He is extremely high-functioning due to his autism, Uh, and since I worked in STEM, I'm close friends with other extraordinarily talented autistic folks, so I assumed our relationship would be similarly successful, but living together brings up a lot of sensory issues he has and communication issues between us. Do you think differently neurodivergent people can make it work long-term? Do we just need more time to get used to each other? Will I get my heart broken by a poly dude? Will my heart go on? Please let me know. Sincerely, self-conscious sugar baby. There are a lot of things I was just going to say, there's a lot going on. <laughs> uh, at, off, off the top here, here are some concerns that I have. Mm-hmm. Number one, that, that power dynamic mm. of you being reliant on this person and now engaged in a romantic relationship 
and you are living together. Yeah, that good. is a weird power imbalance. I am also worried. I, you know, I, I am probably on the autism spectrum. We've discussed this on the program. I've got some sensory shit that I have to, that I have to navigate. Um, and that's, you know, something you can work around and figure out, but that doesn't excuse someone that, as you put it, where did they, where did they say this here? Uh, hurting your feelings or crossing your boundaries. Hurting your feelings makes sense to me, right? Um, especially, especially where you are on the spectrum, but crossing boundaries does not. Yeah, that's, that's not, that's not cool. Mm -hmm. Um, and then the element of him being poly and then not, and you not being comfortable with that, it sounds like, or worrying that that means he's going to need more from other people. Just that kind of insecurity around the relationship that I'm sensing. It sounds like there is a lot working against this relationship. But then again, what I was talking about at the beginning, if you're financially dependent on this person, it's very hard to leave something like that mm -hmm. outside of emotional reasons, but for your own like financial reasons. And that's not a great place for a relationship to come out of if you're obligated to stay in it because of financial reasons. A hundred percent. Yeah. Um, so tackling the poly part, I mean, well, yeah, like my knee jerk reaction is like, you have to get out. Um, this is too. not healthy in a myriad of ways. Um, financial dependence is one of the ways that abuse is possible. You mm -hmm. know, um, financial dependency is sort of the gateway to that. I'm not saying that that's where it's headed, but you're really putting yourself at risk. The yes. thing is, is it's not like you're a sugar. So by definition, sugar babies have sugar daddies and that's a working relationship. Right. It sounds like if that's the relationship you want, you need to raise your rates and charge way more, but it doesn't seem like that's what it is. It seems like you just found a boyfriend that or partner that decided to pay for your life. And I don't know right. what's included in that, but if you want to stay in that situation, you need to figure out a way to start saving money or you truly will be dependent and you will not be able to leave. And that's very, very scary. That's first and foremost. Um, I don't know how you want to work that out, but also nothing lasts forever. Your partner could get sick and or get fired or anything could happen at any time. And uh, your current circumstance, there's like very few things are given in this life. And one of them is that the only thing constant is change. So you need to be prepared for that. Absolutely. Going to the Holly side of things. Holly works when there's trust. Like I've been in open relationships and I've been in ones that work and I've been in ones that don't. And the ones that didn't were because they were either undefined or there was insecurity, which is really just like lack of trust. And if you're already concerned that you're not going to be enough for that person, that to me reads as like, not secure in the relationship, but it also sounds like this is a relationship that the perks are way like you're already putting up with mistreatment because you're getting paid essentially. Right. 
thing is, is like, I know a lot of sex workers and, um, the best ones have really great boundaries. It sounds like somewhere along the line, these boundaries for you personally got muddled Mm -hmm. and that needs to either get in focus. Well, that has to get in focus because I don't know how you would leave, but the poly thing, like I would ask yourself, what are you the most afraid of? Are you afraid of losing the meal ticket? Are you afraid of losing the partner that you love? What aspect of it? And also what about your relationship? Like is your relationship defined by sex? Why do you feel like if that is somehow shared with someone else, it will compromise the integrity or the strength of your relationship? I, in most of my long-term, well, maybe no, in most of my long-term relationships was in monogamous relationships. I've never cheated on anyone. I just say that just to put that out there. Um, but there was one that I was in where I experienced what I would call like sexual dysfunction. I mean, I had like a, my libido basically just like went away overnight. Uh, I had like a hormonal issue And I didn't know that it happened. I just basically woke up, the lights went off, whatever. And I told my partner, I was like, please just like go like have sex with somebody else. And he was not interested in that. So it didn't end up happening. But when I look back on that, if he had, I I wouldn't have been threatened or scared because Mm -hmm. so much of our relationship was based on things that were not sexual. Sure. And so if you're confident in that and you're confident in what you bring to the table outside of whatever sexual acts you guys share with one another, then I think uh, your partner experiencing pleasure with somebody else feels less threatening. That's my experience with like poly stuff. Yeah, absolutely. I, I get a similar background of mostly being in monogamous relationships and having some stretches, including currently of being solo poly mm. and having kind of consistent, emotionally connected relationships with people, but kind of limiting the uh, meshing of our, our lives to some extent. I have not sure. been in one where I am living with somebody and also seeing other people. Right. Uh, just for context of for where I'm coming from on this. I... I understand what you're describing um, logically. I also understand somebody who, it sounds like this person wants monogamy out of the relationship. And the change of that being like a stressful thing to adapt to or dredging up insecurities or whatever. And I don't think that's impossible to work through, but in a vacuum. I am kind of like in this particular situation, working through that on top of the like financial dynamic that's happening here on top of the mental health stuff, clashing dynamic. Mm -hmm. I think that's just a lot to have to work through all at once. What are the ages again? Uh, 30 and 28. Mm, Yeah. Okay. Well, dip. It's brutal. Chalk this one up to a learning lesson. Yeah. Look, it's, it's, um, everything 
can be worked through. Well, that's not true. Not everything can be worked through. Like on the one hand, I do believe that a lot of things can be worked through. I also think that your relationships are genuinely defined by how they start. Um, And it does not sound like there were really clear boundaries in place from the start. Exactly. And I I wonder how it progressed from like that initial arrangement into a romantic relationship like this, where you're living together. Correct. And also in terms of feeling hurt or insulted by someone who is on the spectrum, like I can only imagine what that might be. Like maybe it's curt responses. Like, I don't know because there's the spectrum is so varied. I don't want to assume anything, especially when it comes to like, somebody's mental health and i'm also not a uh, a professional um but the part that concerns me the like so if somebody crosses my boundaries right and um it's a relationship where there's no money involved like just in my relationships i wasn't always good about this but i'm very good about it now i communicate that depending on where we're at when it happens or how emotional I am, I might not do it in that moment. Sometimes I do. Um, my, I always strive to have conversations like that in a really calm setting. I try to make sure that my voice kind of sounds like this. I try to establish touch. I try to come yeah. from a place of like, this is a team thing, but I am firm in that. Like, this is a boundary of mine. And, um, it, I am un, like I am unwilling to waver on that. So, for mm-hmm. example, for me, if I am in a monogamous relationship with someone, and I something that they are doing is making me feel insecure. For example, uh, they go out and they say they're going to be back at ten. It's midnight. I haven't heard from them. I can't reach them. And they show up at one. That happens once. If that happens again, we're done. Mm-hmm. Um, I can have that. I will have that conversation and I will explain my background like with it and why I feel that way and why I'm super triggered and blah, 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 blah. And I will make them yeah. feel comfortable with it. But I also part of boundaries is like you have to be willing to walk away. And and able to walk away, able and willing to walk away. Otherwise they're just words that you say. Mm. And then you're just hoping that somebody is going to respect them. But you know, if you tell someone, um, I, when you yell, I shut down. Like I can't deal with yelling. I came from a household where people yelled, blah, blah, blah. And I end up going into fight or flight mode or I shut down. That might be a huge problem in your relationship. And you'll probably know within the first three months. And then you, listener, have to sit there and assess, is this something that I'm going to be actually able to work through and I want to spend the time and energy working through it on my end? Or is this an actual boundary for me and a, and a, a hard line? And so I'm unwilling to put myself in this situation. You know, if you feel like your actual boundaries are being crossed, you need to make different choices. But part of that is establishing upfront what those boundaries are. And it kind of sounds like maybe that didn't happen. That's, that's the impression I'm, I'm getting also. I, uh, we don't do this often, but we have a sound effect that we play 
when we have a certain opinion on things. <laughs> it's the air horn that says end it. Yeah. And I think you got to end this one. I think there are just too many things at play here that are driving an unhealthy situation and one that you don't really have an easy option to, to leave. Yeah. I think the power dynamic is bad news. It sounds like... It sounds you like you're unsafe. A bit. And it, it, it sounds like you're, you know, having some trouble also kind of articulating the things you need around monogamy and all of this, or at least there's some insecurity happening there that I, I think is something it's important to work through, or at least have the big conversation around with a person who's been poly before. Like if you have this suspicion that that might be what they need and you absolutely can't deal with that, it might just not be a compatible situation. And again, just all of these, these different elements here that are compounding I think your best situation is just to get out of this. And that's a difficult answer to get. And I, it's easy to say it's a very difficult thing to do when you're very tied up like this mm -hmm. in this situation. But again, I think that's kind of the big red flag here is that how tied up you are in this situation. For you know, sure. If you're not working currently, how do you, how do you even leave? You know, do you have the finances to be able to go get a different place? I hope at least like friends to stay with out of this. Um, I would make some plans. Don't just like jump ship when you hear this. Yeah. Don't have the taxi come by with the door open and you jump in and you drive off. You got to have the destination in this, in this particular case. Um, if you are not though, like make sure that you have people in your life who are aware of this. You can talk to about this. So you have support outside of this dynamic so that, if and when you do leave, you've got people who who have your back. You're not completely alone. And I, I genuinely do hope that you have those relationships around. Because um, I know plenty of people who have been in this kind of situation where that kind of partner isolates them and they don't have you yeah. know, people to go to. I know. Um, I, I when As you were talking, I was like, I wonder what your partner would say if you told him that you wanted to get a job. You know, a big red flag would be no. Yes. And then you know, oh, this is actually a tactic. Um, right. The other thing I will say is that I know Polly is hot right now. It's okay to want monogamy. That's fine. Definitely. You have to own what it is that you actually want. But you have to also be confident enough to have those conversations up front. Right. And accept it when it's the case that somebody wants something else. It, it's a thing that you need and that you can't yeah. work around. Yeah. And it, that's okay, but that involves walking away from things sometimes or having those difficult conversations. So right. I genuinely wish you luck with this situation. As always, you know, write in if you got updates on this. I, I'm curious about how this unfolds. Mm -hmm. um, I, I really wish you the best. This is so much to deal with at once. Uh, I, I'm, I'm stressed considering this and I'm not in the situation. And that, that, definitely, that definitely worries me. For sure. For sure. Oh, I don't usually have control of the soundboard, Rory. It's rare that I deploy the air horn. I, I felt like I was getting the nuclear football suitcase <laughs> with the two keys to deploy that. That's how serious the situation was. <laughs> yeah, no, I, that, as you were talking about it, I was like, oh my gosh, this is a very layered uh, question, topic. A lot of moving yeah. parts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
Uh, do you want to do one more, uh, a yeah. little lighter, a little shorter question? Yeah, let's do one more. All right, check this out. Hey there, friends. Hello. I wrote in a few months ago about not being sure how to be more open sexually after Catholic trauma. And we got the little like wiggly Ooh. characters. That was, that was my Catholic ghost sound effect. <laughs> Vatican II. God's watching you get freaky. He's the ultimate perv. <laughs> the big cock chair in the sky. <laughs> Good news. Things are much improved in that area. Bad news. My partner is depressed. I don't know how to support him. I've had plenty of mental health struggles, so I get it. Uh, but everyone experiences it so differently that I don't think I should just assume he needs what I've needed. When we've talked about it, a lot of what he needs are like material changes in his life that are outside of my control and somewhat outside of his. Medication and therapy are not accessible for him, and given the material reality of the situation, probably wouldn't help much anyway. So, any suggestions for how to be supportive? General thoughts. I'll take anything. I'm worried that I'm not going to love him through this the way that he needs. I definitely thought this was the first part of the second part of the question I read, and I was wrong. This is another heavy question. <laughs> We got hit, we heavy hitters today. That's all it's, good. It is that time of the year. Yeah, and also that time of life. Absolutely. Mm, I'm so curious. Do you remember this? Uh, wait, what are the ages and how do these people identify? Uh, not given, not given ages or, or genders on this one. Okay. Um, the only reason I asked is because the person writing wrote in earlier about how to be more sexually free given um their yeah. catholic upbringing so i was just curious because i would love to know i'm trying i do not remember this one off the top of my head i'm gonna see if i can uh if i can find this in the box okay so th this is a person they wrote in over the summer Let's see, the gist of it was they're 29, had barely dated at all. Uh, they were raised Catholic and were struggling to like communicate in sexual moments. Mm -hmm. uh, the example they gave was, let's see, in the middle of sex, their partner asked if they could do something and they just kind of froze. It wasn't even anything weird, they say. They just felt put on the spot. So I, I, I remember this now. Mm. Just kind of not having that ability to like, or feeling like you're able to speak up during sex. Yeah. Yeah. Verbalize like. or communicate your needs. Do we have ages or. Just that the, the question asker is 29. Okay. Well, so, I mean, first off, good on you that things are improved in that area. That's like a oh, hard yeah. thing to work through. Yeah, I it really is. Had to do all of that stuff myself. I think I probably commented on that when you wrote through the first time. So you should definitely be giving yourself big pats on the back that you identified that issue and worked through being able to, you know, get to the place where you can, you can communicate. That's, that's something to be proud of. Um, that, I feel like that also, I think that also says good things about the relationship that you were able to work through that with them. And I'm assuming like a good, healthy way. It sounds like it got to this good place. Uh, but now it's kind of 
like the shoe is on the other foot that your partner is going through something and you kind of need to be the the support person here um i mean the good news is you guys have already made it through one hurdle so why wouldn't it apply to the next one i i would wonder how you had that conversation and generally speaking if you're in a place of the relationship that you could directly ask what what is it that i can do to support you exactly because you're saying a lot of what he needs are material changes in his life outside of his control i'm I'm wondering is that like a job thing he's got a really stressful job that he feels locked in or something along those lines or or they i don't know the the genders on this one um and medication and therapy being not accessible it made me think money, like that yeah. money was the factor, right? Because what is the barrier to entry for therapy and medication? It's, well, medication is a doctor. Doctors cost money. So it's like maybe health insurance isn't a thing. Um, that's sort of like where I was going with it, where it's probably a financial thing. And this, uh, let's call it partner one the partner that's written in and partner two is the partner that we're, we're talking about just because I, I, I'm going to be like, she, he, they, uh, and it's going to get confusing. Yeah. Um, Picture thing one and thing two <laughs> shirts, but they say partner. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, you know, for partner one, I understand because they're unable to actually change the financial dynamic of partner two. And that is a really heavy burden. However, I would just like to, break down my plan for breakups and my plan for self-confidence. What is, uh, so depression can be chemical. It can also be situational. If it's chemical, you know, there are some supplements and things you can do. I'm not a doctor and I'm not trying to get on here and be like, woo woo conspiracy theory baddie up in there. You need um, to eat a kilogram of quartz and you're going to be in great shape. You shove this up your butt. You spin around three times. No. Um, <laughs> I think there's some stuff like there are like Sammy, which is S A M dash E. There's certain um, amino acids that you can take that are precursors to some of the uh, neurotransmitters in the brain. So there are some, um, some supplements that you can take that might have a positive effect in terms of like, if it is a chemical thing, uh, do some research online. I, I don't want to be responsible for that, like advice, because again, I'm not a doctor, but if it is situational, this is my advice. Self-confidence, self-trust, self-love boils down to, whoa, shit. I already, <laughs> Okay. I'm going to say it again because I fucked it up. I said, uh, <laughs> um, confidence and self-love is really just self-trust. You have to prove yeah. to yourself that you are trustworthy. You have to prove to yourself that you have your back. So I use this example, trigger warning. It relates to food and diet culture, but everybody understands it. So I use it as an example. If I said today, my diet starts tomorrow and I wake up and I don't honor that, whatever that quote unquote diet looks like. Mm -hmm. And then I don't honor it the next day and two weeks go by, I'm going to feel pretty shitty about myself. And really the reason why I'm feeling shitty about myself is that when I say I'm going to do something, I don't do it. I don't trust myself. And then I'm like, see, you are a piece of shit. You are right. insert whatever narrative you already have running in your head about yourself. However, if 
Instead, I say my diet starts tomorrow. I wake up, bam, I'm on it, whatever it is. Two weeks go by. I'm going to feel like I'm on top of the world, not because of whatever weight I may or may not have lost. It's really that I have shown up for myself 14 days in a row and I can prove to myself when I say I'm going to do something, I do it. I can, I, I trust myself and that is self-confidence. Um, how do you do that? Small goals, small goals, big yes. goals, you know, like if, if, um, depression is an issue, it might be really hard to accomplish big things. So I would say, let's choose three. One, maybe make your bed or clean your space every day. Mm. Okay. The reason why I love that is you can physically see it. That the, sometimes it really helps to be able to accomplish things that you can go, Oh, I actually did that. Like if I'm having a bad day, I will purge my closet. I will clean my home, whatever, because I can physically look at it and I can see where it started, where it ended. Right. And it feels good. It, and then you're surrounded, you're surrounded by the thing you accomplished. A hundred. Yes. It has multiple things. I would also, the other two things I would say, water, water is like drinking water is great. Set a water goal. And then the third thing, set a movement goal. Now your movement goal does not have to be big. We are, we want this to be something that you can realistically accomplish. And when I say you, I mean, partner one, helping out partner two, come up with this game plan together. And what you can do is you can encourage them. You can drink that water with them. You can make that bed with them for the first, I don't know, three weeks or however long it starts to stick. You can, um, cheer them on. And if the walk, I mean, if the movement goal is just walk around the block, like it does not matter. You can build on those things, but start small and don't ever diminish it encourage, but this is like, I think something you can do that is free that will really snowball and build. And also, especially if you're doing things that actually have positive effects, like drinking water is good for you for a myriad of reasons, but we're trying to hit mental and physical at the same time. So this is my plan for bouncing back from breakups. It's a little, you know, this is the truncated version but it will work for depression. Like the reason why I share this, know this is it's worked for me. I am mm -hmm. someone that, that goes through peaks and valleys and I've used this at like pretty dark times in my life. And, um, yeah, Godspeed. I wish you, wish you well. I guess I shouldn't have said Godspeed cause you have a lot of religious trauma in my bed. <laughs> <laughs> You know I, I do I also, but I love that word so much. I mean, much. too. I, I think of Catholic sailors. God. I don't think of yeah. Uh, like, I, I, yeah. Okay. Okay. Good. We're on the same page. Like the second it left my mouth, I was like, oh no. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that though. I, I also have a lot of ups and downs. I alluded to earlier. I went through a really rough breakup earlier this year, um, but I kind of landed on the same thing that you described. I think of it in terms of momentum. Mm-hmm. I think of it as you're depressed, you have these big overarching issues and you look at the big thing and it's, it's overwhelming. You can't, yeah. oh, fuck, I can't possibly fix this. And you start spiraling, you don't have energy to do anything. But you just do the tiny little things and you actually give yourself credit for them. You don't beat yourself up for them being too small. Yes, And you get that, that momentum going. Um, 
And so I think you as a partner, that, that can be a difficult thing to give yourself credit for things if you're depressed. And so mm -hmm. you as the partner here are in the position to give your partner credit when they do what, you know, quote unquote, is a small thing. But when you're depressed, getting outside and going for a walk, that's a huge fucking accomplishment. Waking that's up, really hard man. To do yeah. yeah. Getting out of bed is a huge deal. So just to give your partner that boost of like, hey, you're going through all of this stuff and it's hard, but you got out of the fucking house today and you didn't feel like it. You, you know, or we together made the bed, you got food in you, you drank water, whatever. Like, I, I have people in my life who do this and it has been a life-changing thing for me to have somebody else validate, like, no, that is a meaningful thing that you did. Don't shortchange yourself. Mm -hmm. You start to do that yourself. It starts to prove to you like, oh, okay, this is like a good thing that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And the more of those things that you can rack up, it it snowballs. You pick up this momentum where, you know, on your first day of depression and trying to do something about it, you can't get up and do 10 job applications because you're just burnt the fuck out from your current job, whatever. But if you are starting slowly and building that energy up, you'll get to a point where that that doesn't seem overwhelming. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I can, you know, I've got the energy. I'm getting outside. I'm doing this other stuff. Yeah, I can sit and knock out these 10. Uh, you built up the energy to get yourself to that place. So be the be the cheerleader here and be the person who helps them structure, structure this it. into the bite-sized yes. initial yeah. steps to do. And that might not feel like a lot to you either. If you're looking at this big situation, you're like, oh, I'm helping them do is giving themselves credit for things. But it, it, it does make a difference. It makes such a difference to have mm -hmm. somebody who's not yourself, who's not your depression brain to tell you what you should be telling yourself, which is you get credit for trying when shit is really, really hard. Yes. And you keep giving yourself credit for that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's also like, yeah, you raise a good point. Job applications, like all of that, resumes. I mean, if partner one is up to the task, you can take that on yourself. You know, I, I don't want to put too much on them. But also, don't forget, um, patience is going to be your superpower here. This is the ultimate weapon because it's a marathon, not a sprint. And, yes. and so also be mindful of not taking on too much and not overwhelming yourself. Make sure that even though you love your partner and you want to be there for them, you take breaks and do things with your friends or yourself to rejuvenate yourself. Absolutely. Because, you know, you can't, nobody expects you to save somebody else. And it's the oxygen mask thing, too, yeah. which mm -hmm. we say a lot on this show also. And, you know, you do got to make that that distinction. But this is like one of those clear cases of I could see if you care a lot about somebody and they're going through something, listener, I could see you being like, I have to give 100 percent of my energy to this. It's they're going through stuff. It's selfish for me to go hang out with my friend or whatever. Yeah. But doing that makes you better equipped to sustainably support your partner. So for absolutely sure. make sure you're you're doing stuff for yourself too in this situation and you aren't absolutely putting everything into this. You got to make sure you're at a capacity that's sustainable for you. Yep. Agree. Agree on all fronts, but it's going to work out. I feel it. I think so too. You worked through the, the issue you had written in before. That's not an easy thing to do in the relationships and relationships. Mm -hmm. I think that's a big green flag on this. 
and you're taking the time to like write in and get advice on how to support your partner, mm-hmm. they're lucky as fuck to have you. You're clearly like a very thoughtful person. Mm-hmm. So you you got this. I know big out of your control things can be completely overwhelming. And there are so many things like that in the world, especially right now. Um, but you're you're doing it. You're trying your best here. So make sure you're giving yourself credit for that thing also. Uh, we well we said. believe in you. And once again, put a feather in your cap for listening to the number one podcast hosted by somebody named Donovan in all of history. Wait, do people be. know what you look like? Uh, there's like the little art. I think I think I posted like a thirst trap on the on the account before. I'm not actually okay. sure. You're handsome. I just I feel like. Thank I just you. I don't know if audi- the audience knows that you're handsome. I'm hot. You have to listen to me. hundred. <laughs> That's what I'm getting at. Yes. <laughs> Thank you for writing in, though. And as always, feel free to write in again with uh, with updates. We uh, we love you. You mm-hmm. got this. Yeah. Good times. And we got to give Rory a round of applause here at the end of the program. Pew, 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 pew. <laughs> We're gonna hit. This is a positive air horn. This isn't. It's not the. This is a positive air horn. Although just, I am leaving, so I guess I am dipping. Get out of the program. Get out of here. <laughs> no, thank you so much for coming on, Rory. This was and, so uh, fun. It was really great to meet you. And you too. Sounds like you have a lot of very interesting and thoughtful listeners. So that's cool. We got some cool people. Out yeah. There. Uh, I think they would love your program also there. Where, where can people find you? Uh, Crimes of the Heart uh, is the podcast, crimesoftheheartpod.com or wherever podcasts are available. But I think the most up-to-date stuff is normally on my Instagram, which is at I could be blonder, <laughs> or on TikTok at Rory Uphold. Hell yeah. Yeah. Go find Rory. Go fo- give the RFTB bump we call it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm unclear how much of a bump, but make it even if it's a pimple, make it happen. That's a terrible. <laughs> oh that my should God, not be I the know. analogy for a bump. Yeah, make uh, it more of an eight ball. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Well, thank, thank you so much again. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, no problem. All right. We also got to thank you, listener. We appreciate all of you who listen to the program. Uh, we especially appreciate you heard what did I say. No cheats, Donovan earlier. Yeah. Uh, you don't want to be like that guy. You want to be like cheats, Donovan. You want to support the Patreon. Uh, <laughs> And so you get a bonus patreon.com slash RFTB. You get a bonus episode each week, access to the Discord, $5 a month. It's excellent. We super appreciate appreciate all of you who support us. But for $10 a month, you get all of that, and we shout your name out in light at the end of each main episode. And it's just me this week, so I'm going to be speed running these reads. We're shouting out Anemone, Anthony Limberg. Our lovely day one Barb, Brian Alflord is good actually. My dad, Duncan, uh, Dylan, GG, Inflatable Dream, K friggin Money, Laser McGraw is going out a wassailing. Do you all want anything? Uh, I'll take a wassail. I was never sure if that was an action or like if that's like an item. 
Maybe clarify in the next name, Laser. Tell me what a wassail is. We're shouting out Malcriada, MC Proletariat, Mickey Flykick, Pablo Hummus, Rico Suave. Nah, 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 nah. We're shouting out Riley from episode 105 of the Yellow Rose of Toadland. It's Rich Homie. Click, clack. It's our good friend Ryan. Uh, where's the button? That's what I'm talking about. We're shouting out Spreadable Fruit, Super Deformed, Synth Mage, The Worst of All Possible Worlds podcast, Tufted Titmouse, Wendy, and Ren. Thank you all so much for supporting us at the $10 a month level. You truly are the wind beneath our wings. You are the wind beneath our wings. Uh, live show, Chicago at the Hideout. January 20th, it's a Saturday. Come see us live. We're going to be doing audience work. You can ask questions in person. We're going to have slides. We're going to have Juniper from Western Kabuki with us. And we're going to like hang out and do something afterwards. Uh, so if you're in the vicinity or you can make it to Chicago, please come. We are stoked about this thing. A link to the tickets will be in the description. Uh, and I think that's everything. Audrey does the music. It's soundcloud.com slash RFTB, I think. Go go listen to that. Listen to her other show, Data Transfer with Corla. It kicks ass. And uh, I think that's everything we do at the end here. And now I have to do the Audrey sign-off, listeners. So we love you. Thanks. Bye. Mwah!